Could you stand with me? And let's uh, open up our Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I'm going to read to you from the English Standard Version. I'm going to read to you from verse 32. We, we're going to read about 10 verses, uh, not exactly 10, probably 8 verses. So what I want to do is to read from Hebrews 11:32. I'm going to read. I'm going to stop at every verse. Now, if you like the verse that I read, if you like what it's saying, can you say, that's for me? Okay? And if you don't really like what I'm reading, if you can't receive it, let's say, that's for somebody else. Okay? So can we, can we, can we do this together? Let's, let's try, okay? If you like it, what do you say? Okay. And if you don't like it, what do you say? <laughs> okay. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.32. You, you only have to hear me or you just have to look at your Bible. Then I will stop and then you just respond, right? Uh, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. <laughs> okay, that's not what I expected. But okay, we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Quench the power of fire. How about that? Quench the power of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. How about that? <laughs> Where are your parents? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Okay, never mind, never mind. It's a free country. <laughs> Verse 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Mm. You don't want to die? Okay. Now, here comes the interesting part. Some were tortured. <laughs> Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains, imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn into two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The rest of you have gone pretty quiet. You don't, you don't even know how to respond anymore. I, don't, I, I think maybe some of you are realizing the Bible has some of those things in there which, oh, we wish it wasn't in there, right? Of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, 
and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. You're not sure, that's okay. That's all right, I don't understand, right? God bless the reading of His Word. You, you be seated. I hope after I finish with this, you understand and not get further confused. I think when we walk in faith, we need to walk in faith, believing that this pleases God. And now we should recognize that when we walk in faith and it pleases God, it doesn't mean that we can always expect to get the outcome or the result that we think we deserve. Yeah, it is true that there are many people in the Bible, like Daniel. He went into the lion's den and he came out alive. But for every Daniel that went into the lion's den and came out alive, there were many more who went into the lion's den and did not come out alive. And what the Bible is saying to us is, the ones who came out alive were full of faith, and the ones who didn't come out alive were also full of faith. Because faith is not determined by what happens to us, but faith is determined by what we allow ourselves to go through. Faith is a journey, it is not a result. Faith is a journey, it is not an outcome. So, if a person trusts in God, and he puts all his heart in God, that itself is important. That itself is an end to itself. It's like what I sometimes ask my own kids. Why don't you do this thing? Okay? Why don't you do this thing that... Why don't you just do something which you know is wrong? Okay? My first son, he would say to me, there's no point for me to do the thing that is wrong because ultimately you are going to find out. So then I asked him, if I couldn't find out, you would want to do it. No, somehow you would find out. <laughs> so what happens if... So you only don't want to do it because you are scared that I will find out, you are afraid I will find out, and then the consequences will not be pleasant for you. See, this is not faith that pleases God, that we do things or don't do things because we are afraid of the consequences. We, the faith that pleases God is that we do things because we love God. We do things, we make choices because this is what matters to God. This is what matters to us. So, the verses that we read just now was that, look, there were certain people out there who made certain choices that meant that they would die. 
they would suffer, they would be tortured. There were many reasons why they did that. One of the reasons was that they did not want to compromise their faith. And the reason why these people didn't want to compromise their faith is because they recognized they didn't live for themselves. That today we can look at these people because of them, we are in a better place. That's what the Bible says at the end, that without them, we cannot be made perfect. You and I, we're not living for ourselves. There are people that will come after us, some of them who may not meet us, who may not know us, who may not uh, be people that are connected to us. But because of the choices we make today, these people will be better off. These people would be, will be blessed. So we're not living for ourselves. A person who has brave faith knows that he is not living for today and is not living for himself, that actions have consequences. What we do today will have a big impact in the years to come. Okay, so tell the person next to you, I'm not living for myself, I'm not living for you, I'm not living for today. Come on. I see, I see this little boy telling his sister, I'm not living for you, okay? <laughs> Faith is about pleasing God. Faith is about thinking of the long-term consequences. I met a lady... Uh, this lady, I, I, I met her maybe 10 years ago. She was six, she's, she's about 62 years old at that time. Now she's probably in her 70s. So, this lady is from... How many of you have been to this little city in Malaysia called Ipoh? That's my hometown, okay? So, it has the best food. Yes. If you are sniggering because you think it's my hometown, that's why I say it has the best food, you must trust me when I say it has the best food. <laughs> Next time, don't just go to Penang to eat food. Go to Ipoh and eat food. And the food in Ipoh is cheaper. It's also quite tasty. I told you guys before, right? The tauge in Ipoh is tastier than a tauge from anywhere else. Okay? You eat a tauge from Ipoh and you will... Forget about Tauge anywhere else, because you will realize that this is the only Tauge that is really good, right? Okay, another thing that is good in Ipoh is... Uh, now, I, I, if I start, I would stop. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my hometown. But what I wanted to say was that we don't live for ourselves. We actually live because we want to make choices that please God. So, Zephan, you're not living for your sister, you're not living for yourself, you're living for God. See, these, these are the choices that we make because He is the person that we live for. And the problem about living for God is you can't see God. 
And there are many things that you can do today that doesn't seem to have an immediate consequence. We can do wrong things today and there's no immediate punishment. We can do right things today and there's no immediate reward. So as I was saying, my hometown is Ipoh. And if, if you've got a chance, you should go to Ipoh and enjoy the food there. But when I go back to Ipoh, everything looks so small to me now. When I was a young boy, I thought everything was so big in Ipoh, right? And then when I go back now, it's become so much smaller, right? And the things that we did when we were there, when we were young boys, was because we were living for, at that time, whatever we wanted to achieve at that time. We, we, we did things because we thought if we did this thing, we would be rewarded immediately. But there are many things in life that when we do today, we're not going to be immediately rewarded. So when my son tells me, Dad, I don't do all the bad things because I think you will find out anyway. That's, for me, that's not a sign of faith. That's a sign of fear. We are afraid to do things because we think that we get caught and we pay the penalty. But what about the good things that we can do that even though we do those good things, nobody is going to find out. And then no one's going to praise us and we're not even sure if this was worth doing. This is what the Bible is telling us that these great heroes of faith did. But because they did those things, we are right now in a position to be blessed. Right now, because of their faith, we can have a better life. We can have a better understanding of who God is. Brave faith doesn't only live for a reward. Brave faith believes that because we have done the right thing, there is an effect in, etern in, in eternity. Okay? And brave faith believes that because we position ourselves a certain way, okay, then we will be in a situation to receive God's blessing. And I want to end by just highlighting this word, position yourself. In life, we must always position ourselves. Now let, me, let me give you an example of positioning ourselves. Some years ago, I needed to take a flight. The driver that was supposed to pick me up didn't come to pick me up. So, what did I have to do? I called my friends. I called my, my cousin. They would say, okay, they'll come to pick me up, but I calculated the timing. By the time they got to my home, it would be too late for me to make it to the airport. The only way I could get to the airport on time was if somebody picked me up in two minutes' time. So they, they were all like 15, 20 minutes away. It's too late. So that's when I realized I have to position myself. 
So I have to get out of my house, walk out of my gate, and stand there. And I have to imagine in my mind, if there is somebody coming to pick me up two minutes from now, this person would have to pass this place. So if this person is going to pass this place, i got to be standing here. It was just about 45 seconds later that a taxi went by and the guy said to me, are you going to the airport? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, good thing for you because I'm also on the way to the airport. That's what I mean by positioning yourself. Now, is that faith? I think so. But is that the kind of faith that is sure if you do that, you're going to get a reward? Now, my kids were with me at that time, and they saw what I was doing. And so, they pick it up. Even when somebody says no, no is never final. If somebody says yes, yes is never certain. Things can always change. All you need to do is position yourself. If you don't give up, if you position yourself, one day, somehow, things will open up for you. And so this is, this is, this is how, this is how th it happened, right? This lady I was talking to you about, she comes from Ipo, 62 years old. I met her in another part of, of Malaysia. It's called East Malaysia. Uh, to be more honest, it's on the east coast of a state called Sabah. Right? So this lady comes from Ipo. Uh, Sony, have you been to Ipo? You know, people in Ipoh speak what dialect? That's right. And see, I, I prove to you I'm from Ipoh, right? That's the kind of language we talk in Ipoh. And so what is the famous food in Ipoh? The food he knows, but the dialect, he doesn't. <laughs> so this, this lady, when she was a young lady, she went to Bible school. And then in Bible school, she met a guy that she liked. But he was one year or two years her senior. And then he left the Bible school before her. And eventually she was thinking that she's going to marry him. But because she le he left earlier, she finally decided, you know, those days were before, before email and WhatsApp. So she wrote him a letter and she gave it to a Bible school uh, uh, a Bible school professor, a lecturer, I think, in the Bible school said, could you pass this to him? Now, this guy, he knew that she liked him. But he had a plan to send her to East Malaysia because there was a church there that needed a pastor. And he knew that if he gave this letter to the guy that she liked, because that guy was based in, uh, in, in, in KL, if he gave the letter to this guy, then the guy would read probably the letter, said, I love you, I like you, you know, all those things. Honey, cupcake, sweetheart. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And then he would say, oh, me too. And then they would get married. And then they would live in KL, right? So you know what this lecturer did? Bible school lecturer? He didn't give that letter to the, to the guy. He just kept it. And so she never heard from him, the guy that she liked. So she assumed that nothing happened. That he, she gave the letter to him. That the letter was passed on to this guy and he never responded. So when the offer came for her to go to East Malaysia, 
and, and be a pastor of that church. She went off to East Malaysia. And 40 years later, she's still single. Now, in East Malaysia, the church that she pastored, the people were all Hakka, not Hakka Bepe. <laughs> and okay, Hakka. Have anybody here Hakka? Okay. <gasps> I think we had this conversation before. Are you the only Hakka? Okay. Okay. You are also Hakka? Okay. But you're from Medan, isn't it? You're Medan Lang, right? Not Hokkien Lang? Hakka. Pure. Mix. Okay. I know that they say, Pastor Stephen, Hakka people do not need a microphone. And you know, when Hakka people meet, it's like they are going to fight. <laughs> Let me tell you, in East Malaysia, the Hakka people who go from West Malaysia to East Malaysia say the Hakka people in East Malaysia are loud. And you know, Hakka people in West Malaysia are already loud. And they complain that the East Malaysian Hakka people are very loud. So, this lady, Susan Tang, went from, from KL to East Malaysia, she can only speak Cantonese and English. And she landed in this Hakka town where everybody speaks only Hakka or Mandarin. And she couldn't speak those dialects. Until today, she can't speak those dialects. If you go to East Malaysia, I think in the, in the city called Lahad Datu, that's where you will find this lady. That's a city full of Bajau pirates. Susan Tang, I think, pioneered 45 churches. The, the church people either speak Filipino, some Filipino dialect, or they speak Bajau language, or they speak Malay, or they speak Hakka, they speak Mandarin. Sometimes there's English service. Susan Tang, till today, she cannot speak those dialects. And I remember when I talked to her, she told me this. I have big faith in God. But God never let my letter get to the guy I liked. I still have big faith in God. In spite of me not getting everything that I wanted. I don't know why this happened. But there are many things that happened here which I also don't know why it happened. All the good things. Imagine living in a, in a, in a, in a town which sometimes uh, there will be a siren at night to say the pirates have attacked the town. It started off with a small church. Today there are 40 churches, probably a few thousand people. And she said, most of my church members cannot communicate with me because our dialect is different, our language is different. And one woman was able to overcome her disappointment, especially when she found out later on, it was not that the guy rejected her, he just never got the letter. And the guy who never sent the letter to her was another Christian leader. And she said, I don't get everything that I want in life, but I know that I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for today. 
I'm living for eternity. There are thousands of people here who come from a different faith, who would not know Jesus if I didn't make this decision to come here and overcome my disappointment, especially after I found out that this was somebody else meddling and interfering in my life. He said, there are better promises for us to hold on to. Every time you face a disappointment in life, remember, there are better promises that God has for you. Don't take the shortcut. Don't shortchange yourself by getting upset or disappointed. Audacious faith, brave, big faith, is the faith to overcome disappointments. It is not the faith that avoids disappointment. Next time you go to Ipoh, when you have to have fun, remember the story. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we have heard your word. We thank you that you have put eternity into our lives. And yea, God, we know that without faith, we cannot please you. And those that have faith, you will prepare a special a reward for them. But we have no idea and no way of understanding the dimension, the timing of that reward. And Father, we walk in faith for your sake, not for the reward, not for any other motivation, but because we know faith pleases you. Father, I ask that you cause us to be people who take after these, that you said in your word, that the world was not worthy of these people, that they refused a short-term relief, they were willing to be chained, they were willing to be tortured, they were willing to even suffer death, all because of faith. And while they did not receive the promise in this life, they have then passed on the promise to be fulfilled in our lives. And in a like manner, Father, where we do not find our hopes fulfilled in our lives, we continue to walk in faith, recognizing that what is not fulfilled in our lives will be fulfilled in the lives of generations to come. So we walk today as though the destiny of generations depend on the way we walk, on the choices that we make. Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to make this memorable even in the minds of the young ones who are here today, Lord. Cause them to know that every choice, every decision, every thought that they make or have, it does matter in eternity. Cause them not to live for temporal gain or goals, but cause them to have eternity in their hearts. Cause them to know that your promises are timeless. If it, it is not to be fulfilled in our lives, 
it will surely not go unfulfilled in generations to come. As your word says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured all manner of suffering. Cause us not to be a people afraid of suffering. Cause us not to be a people who feel that faith will shield us from testing and suffering. Cause us to be a people that will stand in the midst of every test and trial and come through worthy of you, Lord. That we too will be like Jesus, who will count it all joy to endure every circumstance. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's give him a great big hands. All right. All right, this is very unusual for Dr. Benaya to preach so short a message uh, today. Probably he preached quite long in the first service. Uh, but we're really glad to have uh, Dr. Benaya and share with us. And uh, he is one of the most regular uh, guest speakers that we have in church, if you have known it. Uh, for the last 14 years, he has been coming over for and because we have been uh, receiving from him for what the blessings uh, that he shared. But I, I believe all of you are blessed. Uh, I personally very blessed with the words of the Lord. Uh, we, we're very unusual because we finish quite early. If you have any question in regard to what he just shared now, I would like to give you a time for a few minutes. Uh, if you have questions, like we can, you know, let's ask him a very hard question so we can. Uh, <laughs> any one of you have uh, any question you'd like to ask uh, in regard to what he just shared, in regard to faith and suffering and reward. Jason, you got one? No, you don't. Uh, I think Danny might have one. Okay, yeah, okay, give you a time to process. Pastor Stephen uh, promised that you can ask the question. He didn't promise I will answer the question. <laughs> Secondly, uh, Pastor Stephen kind of tempted me by saying that I ended the sermon early, so I thought I'll come up and just continue. <laughs> <laughs> My flight is at 4.50, so I have at least another two hours. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you have heard of this lady called Susan Tang? Uh, if, if you Google Susan Tang... Uh, you might find a list of her books. Okay? Susan Tang runs a school in Tawau. No, no, Lahat Datu, yeah. Lahat Datu. Have you heard of this town called Lahat Datu? Okay? It's a town that has been hit by pirates from the Philippines a few times. Okay? I think the, the last time was two years ago when they actually invaded the town and then the Malaysian military had to go in. So it's that kind of environment. Yeah. And imagine uh, a, a woman living there alone. I have been in preaching in some of those churches. I feel like I'm looking at men who are still pirates. But she assures me they are no more. They're no more pirates, you know. And to live there without a husband, to live there knowing her circumstances were created by somebody meddling in her life. Right? And, and it's like God allowed it, right? 
she has a school in Lahadatu. It's called the School of Life. I think she still runs it, right? Um, I think for three months in a year. Not, not three months, six weeks. So anybody who wants to go there, she called it School of Discipleship, but if you go there, you will see uh, lots of pastors, a lot of leaders from different parts of the world. And everybody goes there. They don't know what it's about. It's called School of Life. So, okay, it is one of those things where we go, she will pray for us, then she will give us prophecy. Right? They get a shock when they go there. The first day they will go there is that she says, okay, today we have no, no class, nothing. Uh, I, I, however, have a lot of homes that I'm running that the toilets have not been washed. So, you know, I have uh, the, the church out there, the, 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 the grass has not been cut. So I'm glad you all came. Please go ahead, take the equipment and go and do the things, right? So you see a lot of pastors who are like, don't even know how to wash toilet. And she said to that, I remember one of those times I was there, she actually said to the pastor, right, you know Jesus can cook and you guys don't even know how to cook because the next day, they, they asked uh, they asked uh, Pastor Susan, what are we having for lunch? What are we having for lunch? Whatever you guys cook. So she said, nobody told us we have to cook. Yeah. The, the, in the morning, go to the market, buy the stuff and cook. How do we go to the market? Say, you know how to come from, from the United States to my small town. You don't know how to go from my town to the market. Find your way. If you don't go to the market and buy the food, you don't eat. You can fast. So it's really that kind of school. Now that I've told you all this, I wonder how many of you want to go there. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. Jason, isn't it? Yes. We'll, huh? I don't know. Let's see. Next year, we'll send him, Pastor Stephen. The next year, he wants to go to, the, to that school, School of Life, right? Okay, I'll find out whether she still runs the school. We'll make sure you go there. Listen, Jason, you look very cute, right? When you go there, Pastor Susan is not going to give you any easy ride. She'll still ask you to do all of those things. You know, how many of you know that Jesus cooked? I think in La Datu, there's no ingredient for making pizza. <laughs> no, how many of you know that Jesus actually cooked? Huh? Yeah. Is it in... John's Gospel 20. The disciples were trying to catch fish all night. They found none. And Jesus had already cooked the, the, the meal by the, by the lake, right? Now, I ask you this, right? I ask you this. Think about this. Why would Jesus cook the fish for the disciples? Because he figured out that these people would be looking for fish the whole night and couldn't find it? Right? And then they would come by to eat the fish, right? Now, how does he cook the fish? Can you tell me? Ikat bakar? How do you, how do you, how do you grill the fish? Sorry? Pakai daun? How do you grill the fish? Come on. Look, honestly, I think none of you can grill fish, right? No. 
air fry. Okay, this is, this is the 21st century version of the air fry. <laughs> we air fry the fish. Yes, yes. You would have to use a fire, right? Am I right? So who was the first one to come on shore and talk to Jesus? Peter. And then Jesus asked him over the fire, Peter, do you love me? Now remember, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Right? Because not too long before that, maybe a month before that, Peter was before another fire, and a young girl said, this is the disciple of Jesus. And he said three times in front of the fire, no, 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 I'm not the disciple of Jesus. He denied Jesus thrice, three times, right? Every time Peter smelled the fire, after then, he would feel guilty. Do you know what I mean? Smell brings back memories. So sometimes my wife, you know, she goes to the supermarket, she wants to buy a certain type of soap. I said, don't buy that. Why? It's okay. I like it. No, I don't like it. And she says, why? What's wrong with you? I said, you know what? If you use this soap, it'll bring back some memories which I don't want to remember again. She said, what kind of memories? Never mind, you don't want to know. Okay? Because I have my own Susan Tang experience. <laughs> Maybe when I was 15 years old, I liked a girl. Then I was using this soap, and then the girl didn't like me. So if I use this soap again, I'll remember this girl, right? So I don't want to remember the soap. I don't want to remember the girl. And I don't want to tell my wife about this girl and the soap. <laughs> so now Jesus talks to Peter again in front of the fire, and he tells him, go and feed my sheep. So next time when, when, when Peter stands before a fire and smells the fire, right? Or he eats the ikan bakar, right? What would he remember? That he denied Jesus three times? Or Jesus told him, feed my sheep. You know the simple acts that we do, the simple acts that we do can actually heal a person. Everything that we do is an act of faith that can heal a person. We don't have to lay hands and pray for a person to see a person being healed. You, you can take somebody to eat, you can talk to a person, you can call somebody, someone whom you haven't texted for a long time, you can text that person, and that itself can be an act of restoring that person, healing that person. Everything that we do makes a difference. Nobody's too small to be making a difference. If you believe that small things don't matter, just remember this, when you're sleeping at night, one mosquito can disturb your whole night's sleep. Don't tell me small things don't make a difference. Even if you are that mosquito, you can make a difference. <laughs> <laughs>